You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Wow, it's been a long time since I've heard this intro music, but it is me, your host, Nick Scheist. And I've been on hiatus for a while as I've, you know, built the foundation for bad movies we love, but today I'm back to talk to a friend of mine, a friend of the show, a member of the Scheist International Film Club, and that is Shauna from Sparky About Movies on YouTube, and we're releasing this episode in celebration of her birthday. So happy birthday, Shauna. Hello, Shauna. Welcome to the Shice Podcast. It's been a while since I've actually done an episode for this show. I've spent a lot of my time budget doing bad movies we love. And I I see your setup in the background and <laughs> you've got your little corner of movies and posters and all that. So I think that's an Xbox, too, that I see. So uh... yeah, there is <laughs> as well. Yes. <laughs> It's very nice to hear. I just got my hands on a PlayStation 5, so I've come to, I guess it's not technically the future, it's the present, but I haven't had a PlayStation since PlayStation 2, so it's exciting for me to have a PS5, but as I look at it, I see that most of the games are still PS4 games that I'm looking at, so I need to do a little bit more homework and uh, (laughs) select some games that are specifically for the PS5, but I've been playing Stray recently, which was one of the primary motivators for me getting a PlayStation. It's the just, game. yeah, it's the game where you're a cat. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I've had cats my whole life. And when they recently all passed in the last couple of years, it's like we have a dog who I love and she's great, but I watch a lot of cat videos and, you know, I can see my dog looking at me disapprovingly when she knows I'm watching cat videos and uh, so I've been waiting for this game to live out my cat fantasy of living as a cat. And uh, it's been pretty fun so far. So that's my first exposure to PS5. But I don't know. I'll have to dive into it more. I got some other games, but uh, I'll get to that eventually. So thank you for coming on the show and talking to me. You reached out to me. You said you wanted to get together and be a guest. and. You know, you have a YouTube channel where you just recently crossed a a new milestone for subscribers, right? Followers. Yeah. And you you spend time talking about film reviews. I know when I had first come across uh, some of your stuff, you had been talking also about like mental health awareness and things like that. Uh, so why don't you, I don't know, tell whoever's going to listen to this about uh, your YouTube channel. Well, I am called Sparky About Movies on YouTube and the name Sparky About Movies came from my childhood. I used to have a nickname called Sparky because I was just so sparky about everything, you know, like electric and stuff. Like I was just always on the go. So I thought it'd be a cool name for the channel because I'm very sparky about movies. Um. The channel just represents me and my passion for films, talking about what I love about them, 
uh, my just favorite movies in general and reviewing them because I always love to talk about movies. The, the thing in my life that kind of saved me, you know, so uh, movies just really mean a lot to me. So I thought I'd make a YouTube channel and I, I started pretty late on, I'm 28 and I've been doing it for a year now, kind of taking a little break at the moment just because there's a lot of things going on. But I plan to be back in July and begin filming again because I I just, just it's a cool way to express myself. And I've found a lot of mutuals through it, found you because of this. I found yeah. the film club. I found a lot of other mutuals on Twitter. So, yeah, it's just it's a really fun thing to do. And I know you said you got a late start, but I don't think it's I don't think it's ever too late to do something that you're passionate about. And I mean, I didn't start this show until uh, like two years ago and I'm 10 years older than you. And, you know, I just really started the bad movies. We love thing. Not even a year ago, almost a year ago now. Um, so I, now that I found it and I have fun with it, I think it's better for me to be able to have that outlet than to not have it. And it's like, yeah. Hey, it's still a work in progress. I'm still learning and I'm very open about that. I'm not an expert by any means. Uh, I have fun with the post-production stuff, finding music licensing, doing all the editing and that stuff. I mean, it takes a lot of time to get an episode to the place that I want it. And when I had recorded my episode on the running man with David from real talks, he uh, I sent it to him and he messaged me like, so all in, like, how long did it take you to edit it? And I was like, well, if I'm being conservative, like probably six hours, but realistically, like all day <laughs> I sit wow. down and I do a lot of editing out like dead air. So I'll, I'll listen to it. And then I'm grabbing some pull quotes from it while I listen. And then if I hear like, oh, there's a mistake in the audio or there's a this pause is too long. I don't want that to be that long. I'll edit that down. So I try to like actively edit. But at least for every hour I record, it's probably two hours of editing. Mm -hmm. And then it's like I add the sound effects, the intro, the voiceover work, then, you know, those those ad reads for stuff like these these weird products like old fashioned uh what is it oh set these old fashioned boot brine pickles uh all the kind of like weird gross sponsors that i come up with so that's the fun part for me is the the creative side of it like okay yeah. let, me, let me find the music here let me find my sense of humor and write something that matches kind of the tone of the episode that i'm doing and uh so that like it gives me that creative energy to sit there and spend the six hours doing it or whatever and get that episode finished. So typically, That's like I start on Friday morning and then work my way into like the evening afternoon. Wow. It's a lot of dedication. It is. <laughs> it takes a lot of time, which is why I haven't done too many episodes of this show lately, because this was I mean, Bad Movies We Love started as part of this show. And then I just figured it's its own thing. It kind of needs to be its own thing. And I wanted to get back to doing uh, stuff like this, interviews with people. And I have a family friend who 
runs the Catalina Film Festival kind of and Catalina is an island that's off the coast of like Los Angeles, Long Beach area. And in the movie Step Brothers, I think they have the Catalina wine mixer. And so that's a real thing. But the the film festival, they have this really nice uh, theater called the Avalon that's on the island. And so this friend, he's the he's the head of it he he runs the whole thing and uh i know him through my mom who used to work for him in setting that uh festival up so him and i you know touch base and he wanted to get together and talk we just haven't uh, been able to schedule it yet so i want to get back to doing more stuff like that and also get into some experimental stuff and i know you helped us with the uh the script read that we did the table read and yeah. like there's part of me that I want to sit down and add music and edit it and like make it its own thing. So that way I can present it back to Nick's and be like, okay, this is something that it might seem like if it's a finished product. Uh, so I need to like set aside the time and dedicate time to doing that. And I also want to get mm -hmm. into a little bit more experimental stuff with, uh, sort of like scripted radio drama type stuff as well. So I need to, I need to dedicate the time to that. And hopefully at least after coming back from like anniversary vacation, birthday celebration stuff, coming back from that and having some time to decompress and reassess some things. Uh, and then, you know, I was supposed to have the show start with Kristen as well, which has just kind of been on hold. And I, I kind of put the wheels in motion for the film club show as well, which just hasn't gotten off the ground yet uh for a number of reasons but the, 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 the ladies one that you wanted to do as well yeah absolutely and i mean we kind of like lost track of that but i still want to do that and i know jamila and vanya who were part of the discussion initially they they left the chat so i need to get in touch with everybody and reschedule that if we can do that on a day where we were all going to get together anyway that would be helpful but yeah, so there's a lot of things that need to get done and it is overwhelming. So when I think of like, oh, I could turn all this into a YouTube channel, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, that's just a whole nother level of overwhelming that I'm not ready to jump into yet. But I'm curious, what was it that kind of gave you the motivation or the desire or whatever to start a YouTube channel in the first place? Like, how did that come about for you? Well, it's always been a thought. Honestly, when I was like 13, 14, I made YouTube videos on my little old laptop with the, the awful camera. And I just <laughs> made little videos with one of my uh, best friends. And it was just fun. It was just, it just, I don't know, it felt comfortable to me. It felt like something that I should do and that I could do. Um, but then it kind of fell off a little bit. And then one of my other friends lately said to me, it's, it's something you need to do. You just, just go for it, just do it. And that was the push that kind of solidified everything and made me just create the channel, create the Twitter account and just go for it, upload my first video and just see what comes of it. Um, if nobody watches it, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about me doing something that I love and I love talking about film. Um, and 
yeah, my friend just pushed me to do it. It's always been in there for me to do it, to talk about film and, and make the YouTube channel because I'm a very creative person and it was just it's it was just something that felt comfortable to me, like I said. So yeah, that's why. Yeah, well I'm glad you took the jump and understand that it's not about who's watching it or necessarily like the response that you get from it as much as it is about fulfilling the part of yourself that wants to do it. And mm -hmm. I mean, like when I started my website, I didn't expect anybody to read it, you know? So the fact that anybody read it was impressive. And I was like, Hey, like somebody's reading it. Like nobody talks to me really about it. Like even my own family, like I love them, but they're never like, Oh, Hey, you know, I saw this thing that you posted. So it's it's very rare that that happens, but I realized like I'm not doing it for that. I was doing it to like get it out of my system because otherwise it's just going to be in there and annoy me until I get it out <laughs> into the world. And if people read it and they like it, great. And if they don't like it, that's totally fine too. Like not everybody's going to like everything and that's perfectly fair. And so to see that like the website grew at the rate that it did even was still shocking to me. Mm -hmm. And so I felt bad because like this year has been in a weird like flux period where like there's a couple months where like I just haven't been able to dedicate any of the time to actually like sitting down and writing about movies, even though there's some that I want to. And there's some contextually that I felt like I probably needed to like John Wick was so popular when it came out. I was like, OK, well, I do want to talk about this, but I also don't want to just say the same thing that I've seen everybody else say at this point, right? Yeah. Like if you watch John Wick, it's very easy to pick up on like, hey, it looks good. The action's good. The costumes are good. Like the cast is really solid and they all give strong performances. Like, yeah, that's all easy, but everybody's already said that. So I was like, I need to give myself some space to have something else to say before I sit down and actually do that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch one, two, three, and four a second time. And then I'll have a better frame for what I want to do. And then it's just, I didn't have time to watch one, two, and three. And the ball keeps rolling and new movies keep coming out. So I've taken some time to like write a couple here and there. And really so much of my energy has been dedicated to the other show at this point that that's kind of been what's standing in the way. But I recently did figure out through my uh, podcast provider how to get those episodes of the new show synced to the website in the same way that the old show was. So now if you go to the website, it's got all those episodes that like I haven't really told anybody, at least in terms of readership, like I don't mm -hmm. I haven't even announced any of those things. So it's it's something that I have to dedicate a little bit more time to. But I mean, I love I love having discourse around films and being able to kind of like share thoughts, like even about obviously bad movies, like that's kind of what I've been focused on. I think specifically because there's there's like a sort of venom around, oh, this movie is not a movie that I like. So therefore I need to like tear down somebody that likes it or tear down the, you know, the reasoning why someone likes it. And like, I don't yeah. think that's, I don't think that's a healthy way to absorb any kind of artwork, let alone no. something that's as universally loved as movies, like in terms of accessible art, 
there's very few things like movies. I mean, maybe music is the only other one that's maybe as widely available uh, and commercially consumed by people on a massive scale. So like, I, I wouldn't expect someone to like all the same music as I do. So there, there needs to be less of that kind of like combative nature of, Oh, this person doesn't like a movie that I like, or this person likes a movie that I really don't like. And let me be combative about it. Like there's no need for that. And I've, there's times where I see things like, Oh, I read something and I'm like, Oh, that hurt my brain to read. Right. I didn't like seeing that, but I'm also not going to be like, okay, let me jump into this conversation and just be an asshole to be an asshole and assert my opinion. Like, no, you can like whatever you want. And that's totally fine. I like a bunch of bad things and I know that and that's okay. And I don't want people to be an asshole towards me about it. So yeah. I, I try to extend that same courtesy outwards, you know? Yeah. No, I completely get that. And I mean, in doing a YouTube channel, do you, do you experience a lot of negative feedback? Because just generally speaking, reading the comments section on YouTube or really like any social media post, like you really see some horrible things get said. So is that something that you deal with on a regular basis? Honestly, I, I started my YouTube channel on the 25th of May last year. So it's been like a year now. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I have not received any amount of hate whatsoever. Awesome. I, I don't really get any dislikes on my video. I have more likes. I get really nice comments uh, from people that I found on Twitter. They've moved over to my YouTube and and they just give me really nice feedback. Um, they tell me what they want to see. They tell me what they want more of. I am very lucky that it's all very positive because if it was negative my anxiety would just mm. hit the probably stop the channel altogether um but luckily it's all great i've found really nice genuine people a supportive little following and i'm just really grateful for that because you do see a lot of hate but i think because my channel is so small I only get nice, nice things. And I'm not saying that I might not get any hate. I might, I might do, but I filter things as well to kind of eat back those other accounts that don't follow me or maybe just come across and just comment or whatever or whatever. So no, it's really positive and it's really great. And yeah, really lucky to have that, I guess. Yeah, I think there is a community of people that want to be supportive and want to not just be supportive, but like actively support the things that they like rather mm -hmm. than take the time to try to tear people down. And yeah. it's such a weird environment to be in where like when you're posting your your videos, like, you know, you're fairly exposed like this is who I am and what I'm doing. And so I can imagine getting to a place where, Hey, if someone is going to be negative in that space, it, it does come across as very hurtful uh, and, and not for any real reason. So I'm glad that you've found, you know, good people 
to support you and you've continued your journey and uh, that you have a good, strong support circle to help you. And I guess I want to know what, what, like, do you have goals for your YouTube channel? Like, do you have a, a benchmark that you want to hit by a certain time? You know, things like that. Not really, not really. The, the, I don't really have any goals for it. I am just playing it out as it goes. I'm really like out, like astounded that I actually managed to reach 300 subscribers within a year. Um, well, actually over 300 within a year because I'm from the UK and I'm doing all of my phone. I'm not a professional by any means or, or like anything. I'm just doing it as a hobby, as a passion, I'm just doing it um, because I enjoy it. Uh, I guess if there was any goals I had, it would be to reach a thousand. It would, it, you know, just to grow and expand. And uh, I'd like to do this more, go on people's podcasts and stuff and talk about films, reach other people. Um I guess that's that's really it because I'm not really doing it to I'm not really doing it for anything but myself. Okay. And I don't know what I was going to say but brain fart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh oh, I know what I wanted to say. Since um I mean since your show is focused a lot around movies, I want to give you the opportunity to like we'll talk about movies because that's kind of how you and I connected in the first place. Yeah. Right game is how i found you i think i round in the 30s in the 30s when you started it and now you're at 150 now yeah so, 151 this morning yeah. so and, yeah I, I just started that because you know i i wanted to do something like i had had the idea for it for a while and i was like there's part of me that when i watch shows and i recognize somebody but i can't like figure out where i recognize them from it drives me crazy and so i wanted <laughs> to like try to capture that feeling and put it into something that's accessible for everybody and like i've met a lot of good people through that and uh i'm always surprised when i see people that like don't follow me giving answers to the question because i'm like i don't even know how this person found it obviously like somebody that they know or maybe the subject matter because it's movies pops up on their timeline or something um but yeah i've met a ton of good people from that and a lot of supportive friends from sort of like my uh my football circles when i was on twitter during football season and that's kind of really where i got like started for twitter is being friends with a bunch of uh similar fans for our team in Buffalo. And so there was a lot of those people that also were movie fans. I know one of the, one of the like founding fathers or so of the, the film club is one of those guys. And actually two of them, both Ryan and uh, Hansel are both Bill's fans. And Keith, I think I met through football as well. Uh, he's not a Bill's fan, but he's a football fan. And so I think, like the circle was mostly comprised of people that were football fans and also movie fans. And so it's been nice to be able to continue that. And, you know, I felt for a long time, like, Oh, if I don't do this, like I'm going to lose momentum. And yeah. realistically, like, you know, 
Twitter is a treadmill. Like it's constantly moving. It's well, it's more like a hamster wheel than a treadmill. Like it's always moving. So it doesn't matter whether or not like, oh, I missed a day. Like as long as I stay as consistent as I can, like it'll be fine and it's not going to like do anything to me. So I I noticed that like I just passed like 1900 followers. So I don't know like who some of these people are because they've just joined me and i know a lot of them are bots too so i don't know if the real number is 1900 or not um yeah but it's nice that people enjoy playing the game because i have fun doing it and it's like i just don't want to i don't want it to be stressful for me or for the people playing it it's just meant to be fun and you know i was keeping score for a while doing it and so part of me liked keeping score because it was like okay you can really see like who plays all the time, like who's consistent. And so I just, I was like, eh, that maybe makes it like a little bit inaccessible for people. Like if you feel like your score is too low or you, you see it up there and you, or you don't see your name on the scoreboard, then it's like, okay, maybe I'll just remove that and then just let everybody play. And like, I always look to, Hey, if you, if you gave me the right answer, like I'm shouting you out I'm just, it's so it's like, just like free. It's like, Hey, if you played along now too, I'll thank you. And for the people that like take the time to like it, retweet it and actually like support it with uh, the things that are supported in the Twitter algorithm. It's like, I'll give special thanks to. So it's for me, it was always a way of just like talking to people about movies and having fun. So I'm glad that, you know, we were able to connect through that. Yeah. But speaking of movies, I know you're a big horror fan and that's. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I want to know first, you know, you're a little younger than I am. So I guess what was like your first exposure to horror movies and how did you become a fan of the genre where it's like, that's the genre for you? Well, it all started um, when I was in nursery, believe it or not. My mother introduced me to horror very, very young. Um, I I wish I had it with me right now to show you. But um, in nursery, I... Well, to begin with, the first movie I ever watched was Poltergeist. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. The Poltergeist films. Uh, that was my first introduction to horror and um, it's where my mom got me the clown from the movie and that that began my fear of clowns i will admit i i love as horror, it should <laughs> they were just not for me and i think it was because of the film poltergeist why and if you've seen the movie you'll understand <laughs> but, um in nursery i was also a fan of chucky and freddy krueger I used to write the poems, you know, the one, two, Friday's coming. Mm. I used to write the poem of that in nursery. It was just, it was just the genre that stuck out. There's so many elements in it. There's so many themes in it. There's so many iconic characters, iconic films. And I just fell in love with the genre instantly. It's just something that, it's it's a comfort genre. It, there's just so many, so many films in there that I enjoy, and it's just the the, the best. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the absolute best. I can't get enough of horror, as you can see by all my movie posters. Uh -huh. I just 
it's just that one genre that I just am obsessed with. Hey, fair enough. And for, I don't know if we have like different um, age designations for school, but when you say nursery school, like what age range is that for you? So I was about four or five. Okay. Four or five um, in nursery, like nursery. Yeah, so nursery is like, for us, is like your age from four to 11. And then when you're 11, you go to high school. And then from 11 to 16, you complete high school and then go to college from 16 mm. to probably 18 or 19, depending on it. And then you have the choice to go to university or go straight into work. So those are the age ranges here. Okay, interesting. Because I'm trying to think of like the first time I saw a horror film and I don't necessarily <laughs> remember, but I had seen a lot of like violent action films when I was young. Mm -hmm. So it's like I wasn't a stranger to like blood, but the formative horror films for me was like stuff from before my time. So it was Rosemary's Baby, uh, Carrie, <clears throat> The Omen, uh, mm -hmm. Chris Christine is one of my favorites. Uh, so so that kind of like older era, I mean, Exorcist as well. So stuff that was mostly 70s, early 80s was like kind of like my formative uh, introduction to, to horror films. Same like Halloween as well and Pet Cemetery and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like the first ones I was introduced to, like Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, um, stole those really older ones. Like Aliens as well was one of the first like sci-fi movies mm -hmm. I ever watched called Alien. But I will always say Aliens is the best. Aliens is my favorite. I mean, it's not a bad choice at all. It It's a good, well, I mean, it's a great sequel because it doesn't try to do what the first movie did. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of sequels get trapped in that where it's like you have to go bigger or better or introduce something that just makes some of the older films seem less special. And so I mm -hmm. like that Aliens was like, no, we're just going to add more aliens. We're going to add more firepower and we're going to turn this into like action, horror, sci-fi. And I think there's a reason that both of them stand up very well still mm -hmm. now. And, you know, I just did one of my episodes on Alien 4, which, I mean, obviously is kind of down the ladder a few rungs from the top two. And a lot of people don't like it, but that's why it's on bad movies we love. And it still has the elements of the Alien movies that I like. It's still like gritty and dark and slimy and you still get some good alien action. You have instead of Marines, you have mercenaries and I don't know. I have an affinity for that franchise where it's like even the bad movies I like. So it is what it is. Yeah, I think for, for me, like Aliens 4, I just didn't like the direction they went with uh, Ripley. That's the only like uh, I have with it. I think the third one should have been the final one just to end the story with Ripley. Instead, they just had to bring her back for another one. But the film is cool. It 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 is a good one. Well, it wasn't so. It wasn't supposed to be Ripley in that story. It was supposed to be Newt, but that actress wasn't working anymore. And the studio, which I think is was Twentieth Century Fox at the time, 
they didn't want to back the movie unless they had Sigourney Weaver because they're like, we, we don't want to make an alien film without her. So they backed up a dump truck full of money to her house and she didn't want to <laughs> make it either. But, you know, she's like, they paid me well. So she showed <laughs> up and it's like, I like the idea that the military kind of just refused to let her die. We're going to just keep keep you alive against your will and keep cloning you until we get what we want out of it. And in talking about it with Lauren, who did the episode with me, I don't know that you can actually tell that story with Newt because there's only Newt is a child when we meet her. So to fast forward to her being an adult, you don't get the same emotional context that you get from Sigourney Weaver playing that same character from 1979 to 1997. So mm -hmm. there's a scene in that movie where like she kind of takes out all of her frustration on her uh, ill-fated clones. And that scene, I think, makes the movie work in a way that if it's not there, it maybe doesn't work in the same way. But I know it's not the most popular alien movie, and that's totally okay. Three was not the most popular either, but I also like three. So go figure. <laughs> exactly. It comes into play with your earlier opinion about how people like movies. If you like this movie, it's cool. But I don't. It's cool. It's just it's but those those two movies, it's it's they aren't as great as the first two, and we understand that. But they still have some things. They do st still bring things to the table that are to enjoy. Yeah, and if that's like you know big clunky space boots and clone Ripley, then so be it. <laughs> I think one uh, of my nightmares <laughs> at the fourth one is the baby alien. That is her. That's came mm. from Ripley. That gave me nightmares nightmares it was just it was just one of those monsters that i just don't want to ever come across yeah and you're talking about the newborn right in that movie yeah. the white the white alien at the very end yeah. yeah the big like flesh gorilla i called it <laughs> <laughs> it like it looks sort of humanoid which makes it like extra creepy and i had heard that they had sort of like screen tested it with not having um, or with having like eyes. I can't remember if it was with or without eyes, but the one that we got is still very haunting. And the way that it dies in that movie is just disgusting and terrifying. So I felt so bad for it in that moment when I rewatched it. It's well, like the worst way to go. It reminded me of Final Destination. Uh, I think uh, Final Destination, the Final Destination or or just Final Destination, I can't remember. I think it's the fourth one, where the guy's at the bottom of the pool and it, the suction's mm. happening. It kind of reminded me of that. It's like one of the worst way, one of the worst ways to die. <laughs> Being sucked into a bunch of tiny little pieces through a vacuum hole in space, yeah. Just it's like, bad. please kill me before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> bad. <laughs> Since you're a horror fan, I want to know, I guess... This year, how do you feel about horror films currently? And I guess not not to like belittle what's happened this year. I mean, we're only in June, right? And kind of like horror season is more on the way when, you know, Halloween's around the corner. So you'll start to see a little bit more like September, October. But I feel like this year, from what I've seen, it's been an interesting mix. So 
I guess in comparison to last year, are you are you feeling this year for horror? Or I mean, I know last year a lot of people had said that like last year was uh, something of like a horror renaissance, and you had stuff like Barbarian and uh, Pearl and X last year. And X, yeah, last year was phenomenal for horror movies. We got a whole bunch, and it was just just like five star after five star for me, even Scream five like when that came out in january of last year i just thought that was just a great kickstart and then it went on to like black phone and smile and mm-hmm. barbarian thing uh this year though i think it's very slow um i mean we've only had evil dead rise and scream for me that really stood out the pope's exorcist wasn't that great for me um I'm waiting for later on this year where hopefully we do get the release of the new uh, Exorcist trilogy from Blumhouse, Jason Blum. I'm looking forward to that. And Saw X, which is obviously Saw 10, those two movies I am highly anticipating. Wait Um, a second, there's a new Saw movie and they're on number 10? Yeah, Saw X out this year, yeah. I'm way, I'm way out of it, but I guess you know Blumhouse. They they produce so many that me keeping up is definitely out of the question. I did just see Boogeyman though, and that was good. I enjoyed it. I, I'm hoping to see that tomorrow with my mom, uh, but our theater is only showing it really late on, like mm-hmm. around 10 p.m. So we're in two minds of going to see it. But yeah, it's a, it's a, an adaption from Stephen King's, not a little mm-hmm. short story. I'm really excited to see that one. And Talk to Me, which is coming out later this year in July. Very excited to see that one. A24 are just fantastic. Yeah, I just saw the trailer for Talk to Me, and uh, I was very creeped out by it, but I'm also very interested. And I'm surprised Mm -hmm. uh, Rob Savage, who directed uh, Boogeyman, he's a British filmmaker. So I'm surprised that, you know, he's not getting a little bit more of a push, you know, in the UK. I mean, the movie's a couple of weeks old at this point, but uh, he did Host and Dashcam, both of which are like, you know, basically made like handheld for fairly cheap. So it was very nice to see him get the opportunity to not only like get a, a big feature, but to get a Stephen King story to tell uh, because you really get a look at sort of the depth of his uh, visual storytelling style. He's got good you know, it's a weird thing to say, but like he's got a good foundation for horror. So mm-hmm. I think his understanding of like what drives fear elements uh, is very good. And like Dashcam's a little bit more of a comedy, uh, like because of the main character, but it is like this crazy character against this uh, environment that's frightening. So it's like jamming those two things together. And then host was, you know, basically all done like this on Zoom. So just very innovative. And so I, w- I was really happy to see uh, <laughs> Boogeyman get kind of like a, a nice treatment of getting uh, Sophie Thatcher in the lead, who's, you know, been on Yellow Jackets for a couple of seasons now. So her stock has gone up and she does a great job in it, too. And I think Rob did a really nice job of putting the the movie in her hands and uh the girl who plays the younger sister who is uh she 
played the young Princess Leia in the Obi-Wan series on Disney Plus. So oh. you got two really good young actresses uh in the in the two like core performances of the movie. And I think he understands that that movie is better told with younger people telling the story. So I really I really thought he did a good job with it. That's cool. That's cool. I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, and I'm trying to think what else horror wise I've seen this year. I mean, like Megan, that was the beginning of this year, right? Maybe technically yeah. last year. I don't remember. I mean, I, I don't even UK, but I think it came out earlier for US. Yeah, it might have been like borderline December premiere and then January wide release. But I mean, I didn't go into it expecting it to be amazing. I just was interested because I like sci-fi. So I was like, I'll check it out. And I think that movie, too, has like really good bones for being a horror film and sort of doesn't want to go there. It wants to be funny. It wants to have a good time. And it does it does those things. And it's entertaining. It just it doesn't ever really like get into the depths of wanting to be like a serious horror film that scares you. Although there are some scary things going on in that movie. I laughed way too much. There was one scene in the movie. Um, spoiler alert! If you haven't watched it, I'm going to say spoiler. Um, but they have Megan up like she's plugged in and things, and then one of the people who are working on Megan comes up to her and smacks her in the head with one. Of, I think it's a broom. I laughed hysterically in in the cinema watching that. I was with my mom, and my mom had to tell me to like calm down, like shush, because I found the movie so much more comedy then mm -hmm. it it was more eerie or creepy you know like meant to like creep you out because it's a doll um but it wasn't scary at all i i just i found it so funny and i'm looking forward to the sequel the sequel's been greenlit and i hope they do go a lot more darker with it because with technology um i can't remember the film i watched not to i think it's called margot I think it was called Margot, a film that came out in 2020, which is about your Alexa system controlling like this a smart house and things mm. and like, attacks all these kids that are there for vacation. Um, so with Megan to the sequel, I hope they delve into the more darker side of technology because I think they can make make it more horror. Um, but I did enjoy Megan. I, I did enjoy it. It was it was fun. Like it was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, and I went into it like expecting to have fun because like I'm watching the trailer and I'm like, all right, this is very clearly a comedy in some at least in some capacity. And mm -hmm. I think you're supposed to laugh. And like the guy who is kind of like the tech boss in that is like pure comic relief as a character. So I, I think it's supposed to be funny, but it is listed as like a horror sci-fi thriller and to see that it's PG-13, like, I'm always worried when a horror movie is more interested in being PG-13 for the sake of, like, selling tickets than it is for the sake of telling its own story. And so that's always yeah. a concern for me. Um, but I did see Evil Dead Rise. It was probably a little late to it, uh, but I really liked it a lot. Um because it gives you it's a rated R horror movie. It's a nice tight hour 36. It kind of all happens in one location. So you're not really having to 
go too far it's not like a road trip kind of horror movie like when they run from the scary thing you're not really running down the street you're just like oh we're going downstairs uh and i thought yeah i mean the gore effects were great it went back to as much practical effects uh as it could and i Mm -hmm. always appreciate that but i thought it was a really really good horror movie just in general like regardless of whether or not it's evil dead uh just as a horror film, I, I really had fun with it and didn't laugh. But I mean, there's probably a couple of times where it's like I'm smirking because I'm like, OK, that's that's funny, but it's not like I'm supposed to be laughing right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely I felt I felt that with Evil Dead Rise. I, I think it was more serious than the others like with the first the evil dead rise and evil dead 2 and army of darkness they were hilarious they they had so much cheese in it and so compare but then you get to the 2013 version and, and evil dead rise the whole comedy aspect is dropped and it's just a lot more serious it's a lot more horrifying and i i i like that a lot evil dead rise is probably one of my favorite films i've watched so far this year yeah, it was it was up there for me too. I had a good time with it. Uh, like I don't know, because I don't like keep like an active ranking. I probably should because at the end of the year, I always like need that list, but I never actually like go through with it. And then at the end of the year, I'm scrambling to be like, well, what? Did, where did I have this one again? Like, did I like it? Did I not like it? Um, so I, I know that I liked it, and I know that I will think about it. So I'm happy with that, but I don't know like. I guess if I break down like every movie that I saw from 2023 as a new film and try to rank those, I'd say it's probably like at least around the top 10. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, because realistically, it's like I know maybe the four or five that I wanted to see a second time immediately when they happened. And Evil Dead wasn't one where like I'm watching and I'm like, oh, I want to watch this again right now. But I also was like, hey, I really like this a lot and I will probably watch it again at some point. So that's that's basically like how I categorize things. And it's so box, Nick, this is why you should have letterbox. Yeah, I know. I do have letterbox. I just don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got everything cataloged on that. I've been ranking my 2023 watches so far. I think I'm up to like 32 movies watched this year. Um, but that came out in 2023. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I that's I I think I'd be lost without Letterbox. I I only started really logging things last year. I should have been doing it for a whole while because I would have had I I should have thousands of movies on there. Um, but I've only I've only think I've watched 335 films this year so far as well. I'm really only? in June. <laughs> Only 300 movies this year so far. I'm 35. Don't forget the 35. 300 plus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just looked and I think I'm at like 150 something. So I'm behind the curve. I just wanted to do one per day and I've fallen off that curve. So I need to like spend some time catching up. And even if it's just like watching something at home, like, OK, at least it gets one off of that list because I wanted to see like if I watch a movie every day. If I'm going to feel differently than not, or if I just watch one for every day of the year. So my goal is to get to 365. So I'll probably be scrambling late in the year to just get some of those on there. But 
a good example is like I went to see Sanctuary and Master Gardener on the same day. So I saw Sanctuary at like 11 in the morning and then like 1.30 went and saw Master Gardener. And I feel like, I mean, I'm happy that I went and saw both of them and I liked both of them. But I feel like I did a disservice to Master Gardener because I couldn't stop thinking about Sanctuary when Master Gardener started. And so that's typically why I don't watch a bunch of things in a row like that. I mean, if it's stuff that I've seen and it's like whatever, like I don't need to sit there and give it my full attention, then that's one thing. But when it's something where like I just saw a new movie that I loved and I'm thinking about it. And now like 10 minutes later, I got to turn around and watch another movie that like, I don't even really want to watch anymore. That's unfair to master Gardner because it is a really well-made film. And Paul Schrader has done some interesting things later in his career with these types of characters. So I think at some point later on, I'll probably watch that one again when it's available on streaming, just to give it like a better, more fair shake. I think it's not even like I disliked it, but I felt like I was subconsciously comparing it to something that I had just seen that I loved. And so to me, I was just like, I feel like I can't give this my full attention right now. But I mean, that might just be a me thing. No, I I get that. I used to, uh, I I think a couple earlier in the year, I went to the cinema and for the week, I think I watched five films or four films in one week. And it was day after day after day. Or I think there was two movies in one day. And I, I felt the same way. Like when I watched one film, I was thinking about that film and watching another film. And and it's not fair to the film you're watching because that film, it, it needs your attention to fully grasp it. And I think that's you've got to be careful when watching films. If you're watching too many new films in one go, you're not really like absorbing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think for me, I just had to realize, like, look, even in any calendar year, I'm not going to see all of the things that I want to see. I I took like a peek at the list of things that I know that I missed from last year. And that's over 100 movies long. And I still saw, you know, 100 plus movies that I actually wanted to see in any given week. There's probably at least five to six movies that I actually like legitimately want to see. So I'm never going to catch up. It's never it's never going to happen. So I just need to like let that go and just give myself the opportunity to enjoy movies the way that I enjoy them. And, you know, there's kind of this thing of like, oh, you haven't seen that movie. And it's like, no, it's okay, And I'm not interested in seeing it until I want to. So, I mean, I've also like stubbornly held out where I'm like, no, I'm not watching Martyrs or Possession. Leave me alone. Uh, but I, I feel like one day I'm just going to have to watch both of them and like destroy my soul in the process. <laughs> yes. You have no idea how much us, us in the film club want you to watch those films. <laughs> we are dying about it. We need you to experience it. it just, we just need it to happen. Yeah. Well, if, if we can make it to like October where it's like officially like horror month for us, then I'll be more inclined to be like, Hey, I'm in the mood for horror films because it's October. So let me go ahead and like, I'll go on shutter and I'll watch whatever. And you know, my, <laughs> my movie watching habits at night. It's like, if I, I reach a certain point in the evening where I'm like, Oh boy, if this movie's two hours, I don't stand a chance. So I need something that's like at least less than an hour or 45. So that's kind of like where my stupid idea for like 90 minute movie club came in, but there's not many movies that are sub 90 minutes. So if you cap it at 90, not- it's really tough. 
yeah, not anymore. They're all way over like an hour and 40, an hour and 50, or even touching over two hours at 2.5. And it's 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 okay if the film's good and it keeps your attention the whole way through. It doesn't like kind of dip, um, like kind you know, like how TV shows have filler episodes. Like you don't want the movie, if it's 2.5, to have like this filler gap, which doesn't make any sense or kind of slows the tempo down. It needs to be just a constant, like with the Lord of the Rings films or the Matrix films or even Avengers, like Avengers Endgame, which was like three hours long. Um, Like those films, they they make it work. I think they can handle the 140 films, though. Or, you know, they're not too bad. No, they're not. And it's like part of me wants to be like, okay, like I'm... I accept movies that are like an hour, 45 minutes into the 90 minute movie club, but then it doesn't like, it doesn't hold up cause it's not a 90 minute movie. So I, I got to maybe be less stressed, like hundred minute movie club. And that's an hour 40 and <laughs> something, something like that. Hundred minute club. That's cool. That's, that's a ring to it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it started as the 90 minute movie club, but it's going to be like, one movie and then a bunch of like horrible B movies that are 70 minutes long. So <laughs> the B movie club. That's cool. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Um, I wanted to ask you, did you see nefarious while it was out? I, I, I just been searching on my streaming service. That I have, I plugged up to my TV last night and I saw that on there, but I haven't checked it out yet. Haven't heard. I didn't hear anything about it. Didn't even know that that was a film. Um, until I saw it on my streaming service. And I was like, that actually looks pretty interesting. I can't remember the actor in it that's, uh, that is nefarious, but that drew my attention even more because I, I know who that person is. So I, I'm thinking of checking it out. It's uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. Yes. Uh, uh, I remember him from there with Norman Reedus. Exactly. Uh, so... Yeah, this is a movie where the concept is a guy that's on death row uh, is claiming to be possessed by a demon. And so the warden of the prison thinks he's trying to get out of being executed through claims of insanity. And his previous shrink has uh, committed suicide. So now they're bringing in a new shrink to examine him before he gets sent to the electric chair, basically. So I was interested in the concept of just, is this person possessed by a demon? Or are they faking it because of the circumstances that they're in? And so that was interesting to me, but yeah, it got totally buried. It got released on a Wednesday and then was out of theaters by like the following Friday. So it really had like a 10 day theater run. And you know, there's some conspiracy theorists out there talking about why that is the case or why this movie is being buried. And it's sort of there's a moment in the film that's a monologue where this character sort of talks about like the current uh, evils of the world. And so it's like if you're really willing to like extend yourself to like listen to conspiracy theories, like maybe that makes this a more interesting watch and like why this would be theoretically suppressed as a film but if you look on imdb it's number 77 overall so and it's up it's up 23 on the charts so it's gaining popularity 
which is interesting, even though its rating is not super high. Uh, but like it's over a six and it's got 7,000 reviews. But when I saw it, I was like, ooh, this is really good. And it's one that I wanted to talk about and I just never quite got around to it. But it's it's well researched in terms of sort of it's like, I guess, demonic history. So like I always have sort of a soft spot for horror films that focus on demons and stuff like that. So in listening to him talk about it in this film, I'm like, okay. I was like, they didn't like shortchange that aspect of things. Like you could, if you're willing to suspend your disbelief enough to like listen to what the character's saying, then you could believe that, okay, like maybe the story that they're building for this uh, demon is actually legitimate. And mm -hmm. I think it it does wander into some interesting territory where the film hinges so heavily on Sean Patrick Flannery's performance in the lead role that there's moments where it's almost like he's overacting a little bit. But then when I think it becomes like a little bit more fine tuned, maybe it's just like it's a little jarring to see it the first time, like when you first meet him. Like he's twitching a lot and moving a lot. And so you don't really know like what he's going for as that character. And then as the movie goes on and you get more comfortable with him in that role, like it starts to he hones in on it and really like gets more uh, more finely tuned as the movie goes on. So it's a movie where I think it's technically in the horror realm, but is not filled with stuff like I don't really think there's any gore in it even. So it, it's missing some of the elements that a lot of people would probably put in a horror movie. Uh, but I liked it. And it was just interesting to see that it came and went so fast. But now that it's in the top 100 on IMDb is super surprising, but awesome at the same time. So it, make, it makes me want to go back and watch it again. But it's $20 to rent it on YouTube right now. It, it sounds more like a psychological horror a horror that's meant to settle you and unnerve you more than just kind of um, give you more, yeah, to affect you feeling-wise more than physically. So like instead of making you react to gore or physical violence, it's meant to hit you mentally and make you think. And I love films that do that. It's like Frailty, when we talked about Frailty in the film club, that film was more psychological, even though there was acts of violence in it. Mm -hmm. It made think more and it's um the film that uh kevin dropped in the film club with uh denzel washington in it oh, as a fallen fallen yeah it's like that film as well um they're all great like psychological horrors are very very good at what they do yeah and i love fallen as well which also deals with demonic possession and I mean, that that always terrifies me. But I think what I like about psychological horror is that even if I'm unwilling to extend myself to believe that uh, like Freddy Krueger is going to get me in my dreams or that Jason's going to pop out of a lake with a machete or Michael Myers is going to be chasing me down with a knife or, you know, some of the more elaborate uh, horror icons, leprechaun chasing me on a tricycle. Like, even if I'm not <laughs> willing, <laughs> even if I'm not willing to believe that that is possible, stuff that makes you, like, question whether or not the world that you believe in is what it seems is always unnerving. And so even a movie like Gothica, 
with Holly Berry and uh, why can I not think of his name? Robert Downey Jr. Yes, thank you. Uh, so even a movie like that where she is, I think she gets locked up in a mental asylum because the people around her think she's crazy and losing her mind. So it's like that fear of like, I'm not crazy, but nobody will believe me. And in that moment, like the whole world is acting against me because they don't believe me. And so like that is terrifying more so than like ghosts or the demonic possession, but like everybody in your life that you trust turning on you because they don't believe you is something that is very tangibly terrifying to me. So that's why I like psychological horror. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I feel that. Do you, do you know in Gothica that Robert Downey Jr. broke Halle Berry's arm? What? It was, it's uh, in the film, I can't remember uh, what uh, segment of the film it is, but I think they're in a scuffle or he's like trying to cuff her or restrain her or there's something, but in real time, he actually broke her arm. Yeah, and she has never forgiven him for it. Wow. I think. I think, yeah. That was one of the things that stuck out to me with that film because you know you, when you watch it you try and find out where that could have like possibly mm. happened. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I have to watch Gothica again just to see this scene because you know I'm sure she's in pain in that. But do they leave that take in the movie or they edit it out? Because if you try to cut it again, like she's got a broken arm. So how do you finish the movie at that point? How how do you how? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know we talked about Alien. We talked about uh, Evil Dead a little bit. Do you have, do you have like one horror franchise that's like yours? I mean, I think I know the answer, but I'll let you answer. You know what it is. Tell everybody. It's Scream, Tell right? Them. Absolutely, <laughs> one million percent. There's just, it just, there's just no other franchise like it. It's. It's got like this deep rooted connection throughout every single movie, whether it be the characters or a reference or a parallel or a scene. Um, it just it's just my beloved franchise. It can't do any wrong. It just it can't be faulted in my eyes. But I understand people didn't like this recent one too much. And I get that because it was a different setting, different location. The reveal of the killers was completely different. They they were right when they told us that it would be a whole different ball game, and it was. But that's what made me like it so much more. It was relentless attacking in public subways. One ghost face attacking the whole group in the apartment, like one ghost face against like six individuals. It was just, just it was just crazy. And yeah, Scream just it's home to me. It's that com it's the comfort franchise for me. I, I love Halloween. Halloween, Michael Myers is up there as well as my favorite, but it's only the first movie for Halloween that I'm really connected to. And then David Gordon's trilogy uh, did, did really well, stood up really well. But the whole uh, Scream franchise, I could talk about Scream all day. Like I could just go on about Scream and talk about it forever. Uh, it's it's that franchise that just, it's home to me. It's uh, every, every film is a comfort. 
when you how old were you when you saw the first scream movie because it's 1996 and so you were only a couple years old at that point right i was two years old when it first came out yeah i think i first watched it in like the early 2000s i'd probably say 2005 i guess i'd I'd say around about that area when i first started so when you were about like 10 or so yeah yeah okay because first films i watched was like poltergeist and freddy and halloween i was introduced to like the older films but then scream started coming out and i started to dress up as ghost faces for like halloween when i was younger (laughs) the mask with the blood squirting all around it um yeah it was around about that time because i remember going to see scream 4 um when that came out and i was i think just i think i was just heading into high school when that came out so yeah and area i had talked to donald at some point and he looked at scream the original from 1996 like it was a, a comedy and i never thought of it that way and so like some of the stuff that he described to me, I'm like, OK, like that actually makes sense. But I still never looked at it like uh, it's a comedy, although it does have some funny stuff happening in it. Uh, mm-hmm. But like just interesting to see like Donald, you know, he loves horror movies and he is big into classic horror films as well. So to just see his take on Scream as uh, as this like comedy act of a slasher film was an interesting take on it and there's stuff where it's like you know ghostface like falling all over the place half the time like it's very um uh it's very like anti michael myers who like moves very slowly you know you have to take like a shotgun to the face to knock him down he still gets up and keeps chasing you uh jason's kind of the same way where like they're big they're burly they move slow but they're not making uh like small tactical mistakes like you see Ghostface like he trips over the ottoman or like oh whoops he sticks his knife in the wall on accident and like can't he's fighting to get the knife out of the wall while the people are escaping like little stuff like that so I'm like okay that does make sense yeah. uh, and so I'm I guess I'm curious like were you drawn to scream because of how it presented those elements or was it something that like scared you a lot to the point where it kind of endeared you to it because I think that first scene in the first scream with drew barrymore uh really when i first saw it i didn't think highly of it like i i wasn't into it in the way that i probably should have been and then i watched it one night when i was home by myself when i was young and i was probably like you know 12 13 at the time that it's on home video and we had like big floor-to-ceiling windows that like overlooked the backyard but it's all dark outside and so as I watched it alone and that scene is happening, I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is scarier than I gave it credit for when I watched it last time. So I always viewed it as that, like that part of the movie sets the tone for the rest of it. So I always looked at it as this thing of like, no, the fear element is real, especially when you're like a young teenager and home alone and you don't know like what's outside in the dark. That's really what that first one thrived off of. So I know Donald's a little bit older than me, too. So at the time that he saw it, he's a little bit older of a teenager. So maybe he's not looking at it the same way. And he grew mm-hmm. up with a affinity for 
those aforementioned slashers of the Friday the 13th, Halloween, stuff like that. So I could see the kind of like the different viewpoint. But were you attracted to like the comedy style of it or was it more the gore or what was it about Scream that really like hooked you? I think it's because of the movies. I think it's because of Ghostface's motive or, you know, reason for like calling people up. Like, what's your favorite scary movie? I think that's why I liked it so much because it was different. It wasn't like just Freddy Krueger just killing people as revenge or going into the dreams and stuff. It wasn't anything supernatural like Jason's Supernatural and Hellraiser and all that. It was just this person dressing up in one of the coolest outfits. I think Ghostface is one of the coolest like icons. He just... um, his his whole the whole vibe was just great, and um, I think that's the aspect that I liked the most because it was different. Uh, I didn't I never found it funny, but the more I watch it now, I find it funnier because of Randy and like Stu. Yeah, like, exactly. Terrible. Yeah, the whole personalities when the chemistry between them two is great, and yeah, I I think the the intensity of the fear it represented as well especially in the beginning the phone call and then you you know you're being watched but you can't see them the fear it built up and the tension i i loved that part of it i never found it funny until now but yeah that it was the horror for me it was the it was just the way ghostface did his thing it was just different to me and i think that's why scream franchise stands out more than the rest of them because the the rest of them all rely on kind of the same thing like supernatural and the, the supernaturalness like they can't die or there's just something where they get brought back to life but with ghostface once you kill him he's gone and then it's just somebody else that takes over the mantle but it's always connected and the deep-rooted connection is something that I I like in it. It keeps it more nostalgic, if that makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't operate with the the bad guy like wielding some sort of magic, whether or not that be like stalking you in your dreams or being bulletproof or being able to survive however many innumerable disasters befall them. Uh, but like... I guess with Ghostface, it's more spiritual. Like, you could look at it like whatever it is that makes this person do these things, like, gets passed on to somebody else. And so, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. you saw a little bit of it in number six, where it's like just some random guys were like copycatting and wanting to. I think they do actually complete a murder out in the middle of the street or in the alley at the very beginning of that movie. So like the the nature of wanting to be like a copycat killer, uh, I think is maybe what fuels that. But it's interesting because what drives the people that are basically, you know, putting on the mask is they're psychos. And so mm-hmm. that's that's the thread, the invisible thread that connects them all. Uh, so it's interesting to think of because I know like where they're at right now they are going to make more. There's going to be a seven coming and, you know, they'll, they'll keep making the movies until they don't make money anymore for sure. And 
you know, even when the movies don't make money, they may move it back into a TV show at that point and start the TV show again. So I'll be interested to see what they do next, because six was a kind of a nice, like fresh start to have the new cast do their own thing. It it didn't feel tethered to the original four movies in the same way that number five did. Five was like stuck between having to be an homage film to the original series, but also trying to create its own identity. And I like that six kind of like left that in the past. and was like, no, we're in New York. These are the characters. And this is going to be the direction that we head in from now on. So I liked that it carved out its own path. And if they take the, the route that I think both of us want to see them take, you kind of like end the series or you end this trilogy and then you have to pass it on to somebody else at that point. So I don't necessarily know that I want them to do that because it seems like the natural thing to do based on who the lead character is and what's going on in her head and some of the things that we've seen from her over the last two movies, you know, so if they go that route and now it's like, that's the villain, then you kind of end that arc. Like maybe that's a trilogy and you complete it and then you pass the property on to new characters and do something else. So do you want to see like the Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega continue? Do you want to see their story continue in the way that it was for like Sydney through the first, what, four or five films? I've been talking to a few people on Twitter about Scream and how they want to see it, but they don't agree with how I want it to progress because I I would like to see Melissa, who plays Sam, become mm-hmm. ghost. I want her to take on the villain role because I, I, I don't see her as the final girl. People compare her to Sydney in some ways, but I don't see it. I see Tara more as Sydney. She she more resembles Sydney, the good the goodness of the survival and how she just wants to move on with her life and and keep going as normal. But when she comes face to face with Ghostface or like the attackers, she will put them down like Sydney did. But with Sam, she is so much more like Billy. There's just that darkness there. And she's she's so stabby. <laughs> she's very stabby. <laughs> she's so stabby. I just recently watched Scream 6 for like the third time this past week because I'm just on the hype of it again. And at the end, she stabs the, the Detective Bailey at least 35 times. 35 times. It's so crazy. I, I would... I would much rather see in Scream 7, Sam Snap and Tara have to do something or Chad and Mindy have to do something to bring her back or to end it all. Sydney come back and end it all. It would be wrong to end Scream without Sydney, though. Absolutely. It would be wrong to end it without her. Yeah, and there's a moment in five where like she comes back. She's not in it that much, but when she returns and like I saw Nev Campbell again, I was like, that's what I needed from this movie because she <laughs> is so good. And like going back and like seeing some of the earlier ones, it's like she is really carrying a lot of those movies like on the strength of her performance because like, it has all the slasher elements around and like all that stuff is well executed, but like without believing in the person that's at the center of it. 
none of it succeeds. And she does a great job with that and surrounding her with Courtney Cox and with uh, David Arquette, like those are good supporting pieces and they have enough, you know, I guess legacy credibility at the time that that movie's getting made where you're not really like questioning them. Whereas like Jenna Ortega is probably the biggest star in scream right now. I mean, Melissa Barrera is not like she's had a bad career or anything, but Jenna Ortega in terms of like her star value is the star. So I definitely could see the franchise taking a turn that way. But one thing that like by the time they had reached, you know, scream four and scream five in my head, I, I wanted Sydney to be the villain at that point because like we're so many films down the line at this point. Is it really just some fourth, fifth entity that wants to kill her that has some revenge story against her? Or is this her being like so fractured by what has happened that she can't let go of it? And the only way to hold on to it is to do it herself. And it's like you enter some very interesting territory there because you're taking someone that was the hero who was the good guy and you're just saying that like the pressure of being the final girl breaks them psychologically and makes them the villain and that's it's more interesting territory than just like hey here's some other guy that you offended and maybe like you killed his brother two movies ago and now he's the bad guy so I really wanted to see them investigate the psychology of being like the final girl turned bad. But I think also it, they're maybe a little bit unwilling to explore that because you have to go into this territory of like the hero that we conditioned you to love. We're now going to like decondition you to hate or we have to tell the story where like the villain is kind of the good guy at this point. So it's a harder story to tell, but I think it is the story that needs to be told because you're so many you're, you're six films deep in the franchise at this point. Like, do you want to just do the same thing? every time and it's like oh now some other person that got killed in the process is going to be the ghost face for this new movie or do you want to actually like break new ground yeah this they do need to do something different absolutely like taking the ghost face uh killers they are so easy to spot now they don't the the tells are all the same like the the plaid shirt it is a curse of the plaid shirt like ethan wore a plaid shirt it was such a given and the way he was looking at mindy on the train and stuff like the the tells are always there there's never anything different i think in the in the franchise i've only never been able to suss out two or maybe three of all the nine ghostface killers but now we're up to about 12 or 14 now killers um but in the, there was only like three of the nine in the beginning that i wasn't able to suss out but the tells need to be different the story does need to be changed a bit and if they did make sydney the killer that would turn the whole thing upside down and be such a shock value a shock to the system for fans of the franchise people would never expect it and i think like if you're trying to get nev campbell back like obviously you don't want to pay her premium money to be a cameo appearance you don't want you don't want to pay her top dollar to come in be in the movie like just to be like oh hey there's sydney okay now she's like not really involved anymore you don't want to do that so if you give her a script where it's like hey the character that you were is now like so tortured by 
the psychology of where she's been for the past, you know, three decades that like she's the one that's broken now and maybe she doesn't even recognize it. I think, you know, it gives her a different character to play. So it maybe incentivizes her to come back and do something different with the character that she hasn't done before. And I think from the studio's perspective, it's probably worth the money at that point to pay her to be that character. So it, it, it works on that level. I don't know if they're still like in a position where they they want to invest in Nev Campbell, especially it's like if you're going to bring her back and then kill her, then it's like it's probably the end of these three films from like five, six, seven. And that's its own trilogy. And then you got to maybe scrap things a little bit. But you had mentioned <laughs> like the way that the tells are presented, like in the fifth film, like the script tells you like this guy's the bad guy in the first like five minutes. And then it's like, okay, well, now we're going to spend the next hour pretending like we didn't just tell you that. And then it's like at the end, he's like, hey, you knew it the whole time. Like, ah. so I think <laughs> trying to trying to find a way to disguise that a little bit, because like even when six came up, like, OK, I didn't really like peg the friend who like their roommate. I was like, OK, pro probably not her. But then I was like, what is Dermot Mulroney doing in this movie? I was like, he's the bad guy, isn't he? I was like, you know it. <laughs> it has to be him because why is he in this movie? And so, like, I want I want there to be a little bit more of that uh, suspension of um, like. Ambiguity. Ambiguity, is it called? Yeah, because like, I, I think when you deal with like a like a whodunit, right? The whole thing with a whodunit is trying to like figure out who it is. And that's not really like what Scream is doing. They they kind of let you know early on who it is, and then they spend the middle time just like having fun and killing people and making it gory and like giving you the stuff you want out of a slasher film. So, I mean, my preference for psychological horror obviously is weighing in very heavily here, and I would like to see more of the like we don't know who it is aspect of it, like maybe turn it more into like a whodunit, but. Mm -hmm. that, that's me being selfishly like this is what I want from a screen movie. So I don't know that that's a universal. Probably not. Yeah, no, I, I, like, <laughs> I, I, I like how it plays out because it's just familiar and it's nostalgic. Like it, it, you, it doesn't change as much as like all the other films change. Like, take Nightmare on Elm Street like you have all these films and all of a sudden it goes into like this baby or this child or something and then like Jason X goes into space or then he goes into New York City or, or something mm -hmm. uh, yeah but with Halloween Halloween stays the same it's always in Haddon Haddonfield um same same killer Michael just doing his thing I I, I like it's uh, continuity uh, but it would be cool if they did something different I guess you know to see how it works see how it fit, fit in because the New York setting worked very well uh, yeah I think so too I think it was nice to get out of what is it Woodsboro yes right? so it was nice to like get out of that but also in five too it was nice to like spend some time in that town and like go back to the original house and things like that so uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like the key demographic for Scream, so they're going to make the movie for the people that are like the hardcores that are going to go see it on opening weekend and stuff. But 
I don't know. I would like to see them explore the psychology of like what it means to be the final girl. And maybe it's a little bit too early still in Melissa Barrera's career as that character to really have like that break. But they've set the foundation up, right? Because she's got like the devil on her shoulder. And, you know, I guess her little sister is the angel on the other shoulder in this case. And that's kind of how they she finds her balance. But um, yeah, I would like to see what it looks like if she loses control of that. And maybe you don't necessarily turn her into the full like bad guy, but maybe she kills a couple people and she's like, oh, I don't know. Like I was asleep. That was Billy that took over. And so it's like then you have the little sister who still wants to look out for her older sister. And she's still really not she's not the villain in that sense. She's being victimized by like the psychology that's going on and whatever's happening inside her own head. So it's like I think you can maybe play both angles that way, but. Yeah, it's, it's probably it's probably far off. So I, w- I won't hold my breath for that, but I'll be interested. Yeah, me too. I mean, we've we did dedicate a significant amount of time to scream as it turns out, which, of course, I mean, I had to give you the opportunity to do that. So I'm happy to. Uh, but do you want to tell the people that uh, are listening uh, about what you got going on with the show, like <laughs> where, where they can find you if they want to talk about movies and scream and all that? Well, yeah, if anybody would like to go on over to my YouTube channel, it's Sparky About Movies. I plan on coming back in July with um, a couple more videos I have planned. I want to do a couple more reviews that I haven't touched on uh, about the films that I've just seen. I want to do a favorite first watches video because I dedicated April all to first watches. I watched 100 films in april all first watches so video on that and i want to also do a scream video again but talking about instead of the favorite ghost faces and ranking them i'm going to rank my favorite characters so like randy Uh and and uh tatum and everyone like just random characters um and twitter uh my at is cinema at screams so if you'd like to follow me on there I post a lot. I'm very, very social on Twitter. I love to engage with people and interact and things. Uh, Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? I mean, we kind of just, we freestyled it. Like we just got together and started talking. This wasn't anything that was meant to be like super formal, but was there something that was on your mind that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to yet? Not really, no. I just I've I've loved everything we've talked about. We've touched on all like horror films. We've touched on what we uh, our socials and everything. It's just been really nice just to talk regular, yeah. just about things we're doing and what we like. Yeah, it's nice, and to like be able to sit down and talk like kind of virtually, but face to face still, nonetheless, right? <laughs> yeah, the first time. It's yeah, good. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's very nice to see you, and I look forward to continuing to you know collaborate with you in the future and if you want to get together and do something for the youtube channel you'll have to show me the ropes on how to start youtube stuff because i'm still like i know i need to do it but i'm hesitant because it's like nobody needs to see me like i just hear my voice that's totally fine (laughs) (laughs) i think i think youtube would be a lot easier for you to to work on and work and work with i think it'll be a lot less hassle or a lot a lot less a lot less for you to do because 
I mean, you still have to edit and, and all that stuff, but you don't really, I don't think you'll have to put a lot of effort into it. I mean, there's an editor on YouTube for you mm-hmm. to use and things like that. But I think, I think you'd have a lot of fun on YouTube. Yeah. I need sure. to, ex- I need to experiment. Cause it's like, I do have like a, a channel where it's like, I just experiment with like video editing stuff and I'm like, why did a hundred people watch this? I don't even know any of these people. And this is about like our fantasy football, like home league. So it's like me and, you know, 10 friends or so. So I don't know who's actually watching that, but I need to check in on that and just experiment a little bit and get a little bit more comfortable with some of the, uh, like the visual add-ons for YouTube so that, Hey, here's graphics or here's like a, a scroller at the bottom that says like, Oh, here's what's next on the, you know, stuff like that. Like, I need to do a little bit more homework on the front end because I spent time doing the homework for the podcast before I started it. So that's why, you know, it takes time, but I think the final product sounds good. So I'm happy with like the quality and I don't know that I'm willing to like start with being like super bad quality (laughs) on YouTube. So I, I just need somewhere. I need to pull the trigger and start somewhere. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to ask you one more question about Scream because it's a question that I wondered about as I watched five and six back to back. How many Mm -hmm. stab wounds does it take to kill a person now? Because who's the who's the football player? He's one of the core four. But in number five, like he gets stabbed 20 or so times outside the shed and then left for dead. But he lives. And then he gets stabbed probably another 20 or 30 times in six and he still lives again. So I'm curious, like, are stab wounds just not lethal anymore in this universe? Or is this guy just like in such good shape that the stab wounds don't do damage? (laughs) I think Chad is Dewey 2.0, but I think he's just got like a couple more lives. I do not know how he survived Scream 6. I, I, I was shocked when they brought him out in the stretcher and he was alive because I cried when he got stabbed in Scream City. I will admit, I, I am very emotionally invested in movies. I will cry. I will cry and cry because um, I, I, I I'm very, very um, sensitive when it comes to films and characters. I get really attached. So Chad, I don't, I, I think... Maybe the next film, he he might kick kick it. I, I don't think he has many lives left. As for the stab stab wounds, I think they've got to be pretty lethal. I guess pretty lethal, and then you've got to be thrown over a balcony just to finish <laughs> you. I think I don't. I think I think the stab wounds are you know just like a warning now. Something else, <laughs> like a TV being thrown on your head, you yeah. know. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, yeah, because Chad is almost like as bulletproof as the ghost face now. Like, you know, you shoot him, gets up, stab him, gets up, you know, hit him with a car. It doesn't matter. At this point, you got to cut Chad's head off. And then that (laughs) might still not be enough in this new universe. (laughs) (laughs) They just wheel his head out in a jar at the end of number seven. And he's in the jar. He's like, "Okay, I'm fine, everybody. Oh, God. Could you imagine? Yeah, I, I, it's the same with Mindy as well. Like, um, I think Mindy's only been like s- stabbed and like s- like slashed a bit. Uh, but Chad, I don't, I don't know what they're planning. I think it's just one of those one of those characters that are expendable, but yet they don't finish. It's weird. 
it's very weird those those characters but he one of them needs to go one of the core four needs to go to to make it you know um more of more of a punch because we've got rid of Dewey we've got rid of one legacy character character but he lasted five movies yeah. I don't think Chad Chad can last and any longer <laughs> I think also it's like if you're unwilling to compromise like anybody in the core four then you know that no matter what movie it is like all those people are safe so you can all right well they're all gonna make it so I don't have to worry about anytime I see them in danger on screen and I think that is a problem so hopefully you know not hopefully one of them dies because it sounds mean, but like they, somebody has to probably die in that group. And at this point, Chad has survived so many stabbings. Like, you know, you're going to have to get really creative to kill him at this point. Yes. Really creative. <laughs> but that could make for some good uh, storytelling on screen. So I look forward yeah. to it. Uh, but yes, I want to thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to sit down and chat with me. It's been a while, like I said, since I've done just sort of like a an interview show where we just kind of freewheel it and talk. And it's been really nice. Yeah. I've enjoyed this. This is my first time doing uh, a podcast or, you know, like just doing anything like this. And it's been really, it's been really great. I've enjoyed it. Well, speaking of podcasts, if you, I mean, if you're willing to do a Bad Movies We Love episode, that's where we kind of just like deep dive one movie. We have fun kind of like just enjoying the fact that we know that we are enjoying a guilty pleasure and it's a good time. So if you got a movie like that and you want to throw one my way, uh, you can always message I me. Do, and I do have a film already. Okay. A, a, a bad movies. We love kind of thing. Awesome. Uh, I, I, I'd like to delve into scream three. Okay. Is I know that film gets a lot of hate, but it's so good. It's so good. I don't understand the hate for it. I mean, I just, I just saw a meme that someone posted of Scream Three yesterday of like, I forgot what it was, but it's like, oh, you meet somebody that loves horror films and like their face is all excited, and then they tell you their favorite horror film is Scream Three, and the person's all depressed after that. And so I was like, I don't know why all of a sudden that popped up. I, I I saw that one of my one of the mutuals that I follow created that meme. Yeah, I know. Mm. I think the use of Jack Nicholson from Shining actually in yes. the meme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, Scream 3. I'll put it on the books and then we'll just we'll schedule something. And uh, I think I've got two more that I need to get out of them. Maybe just one more. No, I think two more. Sean is still kind of waiting to give me an answer on what the movie is that it's that we're going to dive into. So I told him, I was like, look, no matter what movie you bring me, I, I just feel like this needs to be said. If it's not Morbius, I feel like we have failed ourselves and the group. So I want it to be Morbius, but there are other good films that are also worth having this discussion over. So uh, it needs to be Morbius, though. It needs to be. It, it was, is. It was, it, it's only it's the only one no it has to be morbius it that's has right. to be it has to that's what i said i was like it has to be i feel like we owe it to ourselves and to everybody else that we've tortured with our morbius love <laughs> to really to really show them that it's time to morb so yes anyway thank you so much uh 
please enjoy the rest of your uh, evening at this point. It's late for you. I'm going to go catch a movie myself, and uh, I will make sure that I get this uh, loaded up and ready to go for your birthday, which is coming yeah. up on Sunday. So happy early birthday to you, and please have a great evening. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Nick. My pleasure. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode, and please remember that the opinions expressed on this show are just that. If you like what you heard, I still believe word of mouth is the best way to help, so please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and rating the show help out a lot, too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at info at thescheiss.com or at Podcast on Twitter. And as usual, be well, stay safe, and have fun no matter how you get your movies. <laughs>